Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore the real world of crisis and prevention. My crisis squad and I seek solutions. We also bring in experts to expand our knowledge, especially in areas worthy of more attention from the public. That's why Dr. Jed Gorlin is here. He's the Vice President of Medical and Quality Affairs for Memorial Blood Center and Nebraska Community Blood Bank. He also serves in leadership for blood centers in Kansas City and New York. He knows blood and he knows where it's needed. He's here to discuss the case file I call Time to See Red. Dr. Gorlin, we see blood drives mainly during holiday seasons, but blood is needed all the time, right? Absolutely. The usage of blood is pretty consistent. Cancer patients, uh, routine surgeries use a lot of the blood. So what we don't want is crisis donation. What we do want is to have people become regular blood donors. So what does it take to be a blood donor? Can anyone donate blood? Well, you have to be at least 16 with parental permission, 17 just on your own. You have to weigh at least 110 pounds because we draw a fixed amount of blood. And there are a whole litany of donor eligibility rules that I won't bother you with, but they're on the website. All right. Well, and that website is mbc, mbc.org. Let's talk, though, about any changes in those rules, any highlights that people should know. Maybe some of our listeners are regular donors. Are there any changes that all potential donors should know about? Absolutely. We do an incredible job of making blood safe, both by all those questions, but more importantly, by all the fancy tests we do. In recognition of the efficacy of those tests, the FDA has changed the rules on donor eligibility. Specifically, we are no longer asking questions about men having sex with men. The FDA has allowed us to ask about a number of new partners. Only if you've had a new partner or multiple partners in the last three months would we be asking additional questions about risk factors for HIV. And this will open up the donor supply, uh, we hope, a lot. So it seems obvious that blood donation is key for patient survival, but can you kind of get us into that and why it is so crucial that surgeons and others have the blood ready for their patients? I've had the honor and chance to work on improving blood supplies around the world. And in places where people are dependent upon family member donations, that might work for an elective surgery, an elective operation, but it's a disaster in disasters. You can't collect the blood and test the blood fast enough for those emergency situations. So the blood that saves people's lives after the Las Vegas shooting or any other you know, mass casualty event has been blood that was donated days to weeks before because it takes a while to do all that blood screening and processing. And so what we need is for people to become regular donors um, and not donating in emergencies. So how long does blood last? If I go in tomorrow and donate, my guess is the need will be pretty immediate. But what if it is on a shelf somewhere? Can it last for a while? So we divide each unit of blood into stuff. The red cells can last uh, six weeks, 42 days. The plasma is frozen and lasts a year. Platelets only last seven days. Uh, And so the biggest challenge over holidays is having platelets, fresh platelets, on the shelf. So really, there is an expiration date. You can't just freeze it forever. 
Absolutely. So that obviously then shows us this crisis that we are constantly living in, you and others in the research and medical professions. I mean, talk about a crisis that's worthy of the crisis files. It is the lack of people really seeing red and needing to give blood on some kind of regular cadence. Sadly, at least two-thirds of the nation is eligible to donate blood, yet nationally only about 5% donate regularly. So we need to reach out to the rest of the folks and say, please do your part because the blood that you donate may be the blood that saves your life if you got into an accident tomorrow. So it could be for you, not even a stranger. Absolutely. All right. Does the donor matter? Let's get into that a little bit. Are you looking for more than a blood type match? So it depends. I have the honor of being the transfusion service director at Minneapolis Children's Hospital, where we take care of many uh, individuals with sickle cell disease. And not every patient with sickle cell needs transfusion, but many do. And many receive what are called chronic or regular transfusions. And when you get 20, 30, 40 units a year, you need a better match. Uh, There is no such thing as black blood or white blood. However, it's a whole lot easier to find the cells that are the best match for these chronically transfused kids and some adults by having donors of a similar ethnic background. Uh, And so it's really important that our blood donor base reflects the patient uh, ethnic distribution. So the Sickle Cell Foundation reports 250 million people worldwide carry the gene responsible for sickle cell. Can you explain why it's mainly affecting people of African, Latin, and Mediterranean descent? Sure. If you have one copy of the sickle cell gene, your red cells don't last as long. If you happen to get bitten by a malarial-carrying mosquito— those malaria organisms take a while to grow in your red cells. So one copy of the gene was relatively protective against malaria. So if you look at maps of the historic distribution of malaria, it pretty much overlays the maps of where sickle cell gene is found, which can, by the way, extend all the way to Southeast Asia. That said, as far as United States, the majority of people with sickle cell disease are of African heritage, just because that's the immigration pattern in the United States. And every state has newborn screening. So hopefully we are identifying all those individuals from birth. So there is some hope there. That's wonderful to hear. Dr. Gorlin, I have to admit, I cannot remember the last time I donated blood. It isn't something that is top of mind every day. How can we as, you know, potential donors out there make it more of kind of a regular habit, like going to the dentist two, three times a year? So uh, we absolutely encourage brushing and flossing as well. Uh, That said, uh, we want people to become uh, regular blood donors. We start with blood drives in high schools. About half our donations are people coming into our fixed sites, and about half are going out to schools and churches and businesses. So we try to make it as easy and convenient as possible. People definitely realize after one or two donations that fear is the biggest impediment to donating. And once you realize it's a pretty easy thing, it becomes much easier to become a a regular blood donor. In fact, many people say that the finger stick to check your level of hemoglobin, that it's okay to donate, bothers them more than the actual needle. And that's why when you're touching things to feel things, you're touching with your fingers. You have more sensory receptors in your fingers. We on The Crisis Files love a good story. And you're in this every day. I mean, you're seeing red every day and want more red. 
What is sort of an interesting or something that's been an aha moment for you or maybe a super cool story in the work you've done all over the globe? At Hennepin, uh, we are honored to serve a safety net. And that's in Minneapolis, Hennepin. In Minneapolis. We're the safety net hospital. Uh, but we're also the largest level one trauma center. What's clear is having the blood in the OR, in the ER, ready and available, that really saves lives, and we have one of the best outcomes in the nation. I've also had the honor of visiting Rwanda, Tanzania, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and you see what happens when people depend upon family member donations. It just means that blood isn't available, and the maternal mortality rate from postpartum hemorrhage in many of those countries is sky high. All right, so that's a sad note. We also do like to have some positivity. Where is there hope in the work that you do when it comes to blood research, blood donations, and just getting more people into this conversation? So I've also had the honor of working with the California Maternal Quality Group looking at postpartum hemorrhage. And in California, by really trying to address all of the opportunities to improve health care, the maternal mortality rate for African-American women has dropped in half. It was four times the rate of Caucasian women, and it was really all about access to health care. So we really do want to give everyone good access to health care, uh, and we want to make sure that we're delivering it evenly, that there isn't this sort of ethnic or socioeconomic gap. And the results in California prove that you can do something. I love that. What was the secret to their success there? Many, many different interventions, the biggest being, frankly, Obamacare and getting people access to health care, but also educating obstetric nurses and physicians about risk factors uh, for hemorrhage and uh, immediate interventions to address hemorrhage. And that means there's a whole lot more kids that have a mom coming home with them. I love that. Well, that is a very hopeful story and great success for California moms and for kids. Thank you, Dr. Jed Gorlin, for your insights into blood transfusion, blood collection, and sickle cell anemia. For more information, go to mbc.org. Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by Huntington. Number one, blood is needed in all parts of the world year-round. Check with your local blood bank on how you can donate and whether you are a good candidate. Most blood stays local. Number two, sickle cell anemia is one disease where the ethnic background of a blood donor can make a better match. If you are of African, Latin, or Mediterranean descent, consider donating. Number three, there are three key components made from your blood donation, red cells, platelets, and plasma. Sometimes reaching your goals takes more than money. It takes know-how. That's why money's just the start of what Huntington can do. Get more than money from your bank. See how at Huntington.com slash get more. Thank you to our podcast producer, Kim Inslee, and audio engineer, Tom Hamilton. Rate and review The Crisis Files on your platform of choice. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for the show archive plus special videos. Follow us on Instagram and YouTube at The Crisis Files. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files. <laughs>